Hi, everyone. Welcome to Detox Podcast. I'm Denise Walker, your host, and this is my deep dive commentary on my poetry collection, Pick Your Poison. Pick Your Poison is a poetry collection on addiction and recovery. I wrote it in my early sobriety, my early days of recovery uh, last year in 2017. Uh, This is episode one, titled Maze. Uh, This is the first poem I ever wrote about alcohol. Uh, I know in the foreword for Pick Your Poison, I say that I don't uh, put the poems in any particular order. However, this is the first one. I decided to put it first. Just, it felt important to me. So yeah, I was actually still drinking when I wrote this poem. And it was a very confusing time. I wanted to get out. I felt so trapped. So... Here's maze. My mind is a maze without any exits, where the only way we think is through. You've never been here, and neither have I. Has anyone? You told me, you can't trust your own mind. It's going to get harder before it gets worse. And you were right. Every turn, we're back at the start, and the start is darker at every turn. When did we get here? How did we get so lost? It's been five labyrinthine years, and all I think now is, Are you even here? Am I? Because you told me, all those years ago, you told me. You can't trust your own mind. In Canada, we have something that's called Bell Let's Talk Day. And it falls at the end of January, invites people to talk about mental health and promoting the end of stigma around mental health. Uh, They put out a ton of advertisements And on that day, Bell Let's Talk Day, uh, Bell is one of our major cell phone carriers. So for every talk or text that you send, they'll donate five cents to mental health awareness. And if you post with the hashtag Bell Let's Talk Day or hashtag Bell Let's Talk, they'll also donate money for every one of those you see. So on that day in 2017, I spent like the whole day scrolling through all my friends' stories my acquaintances, my coworkers, they were posting all these amazing, open, brave stories about their own struggles with mental health. And I felt like a gigantic fraud because my entire life, I kind of, you know, I was a self-proclaimed mental health advocate. Uh, I grew up with a bipolar father and that is basically just like a one-way ticket to being very passionate about mental health awareness and uh, advocating for people struggling with mental health. So here I am struggling hardcore in silence with alcohol addiction. And I've been dying to tell somebody about it. I literally, I, I struggled so hard every single day. I woke up brutally hungover or still drunk and faked it. I pretended to be Sober, happy, healthy, feeling good every single day. Even my boyfriend who I lived with didn't know how bad I was feeling every day because if I admitted how shitty I felt, it would mean that I had a problem. And I was nowhere near ready to start that process for a very long time because I didn't want to quit. I didn't know how to say no to alcohol. I didn't know how to say goodbye to alcohol. And but I knew that I didn't want to feel that way anymore. 
I couldn't keep waking up drunk and, you know, missing appointments or calling in sick or, I don't know, making up excuses and lies about why I couldn't hang out with people anymore that I had made plans with that day because I couldn't drive to see them. And so Bella's Talk Day comes and it goes, and the next day I'm just feeling like I missed my chance. I couldn't believe it. I had lost my chance. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to take to social media anyway. And I would love to read you the post that I made on Facebook that day. Uh, I literally just read this yesterday for the first time since I posted it. It's been a year and a half. And uh, yeah, um, here it is. Bell Let's Talk Day was yesterday. I've been reading posts my friends have made, and it's given me the courage to talk about my own struggle. I'd love to say that posting today is a symbol of carrying on the message every day, not just on January 25th. And it is, but it's mostly because I was absolutely terrified to do so yesterday. Everyone sees me as this bright and undyingly positive person. I am, but with that brightness is a darkness. I struggle with alcoholism, and almost all the time I feel completely alone in it. I want so badly to be healthy. I've been trying so hard to eat well, sleep more, exercise, but alcohol will always be there to bring me down. I don't know how to talk about it. I don't know who to talk about it with. All of it makes me extremely uncomfortable. I've sought professional help and I can't say if it helped or not. I'm terrified of how my friends and family will see me. I'm afraid if you see me with a beer or a glass of wine, you'll immediately begin to worry. I don't want that, so until now, I've stayed quiet but I don't want to suffer in silence anymore. We all need an ear sometimes, and that includes me. Whew. There's a lot in this. Especially the labeling of myself as an alcoholic that seems so differently now at 15 months sober. I much prefer the term substance abuse disorder, but even that doesn't really feel right. Like, really, I just have a human brain that overlearned as human brains do. I'd like to get into that for a second, actually, here. Uh, the term alcoholic is one that gets under my skin. I labeled myself as an alcoholic in the beginning simply out of ignorance. I didn't realize that there were any other terms or other ways of looking at alcohol addiction that didn't include the world alcoholic. I thought that was it, the end-all be-all, like you either are or you are not, and that's just the term that's used. Uh, there's more weight to that word than I ever realized before. Uh, Holly of Hip Sobriety, uh, which is the program that I used to get sober and like uh, shout out to hip sobriety because seriously um, wouldn't be here because without that. So please look that up as well as this little tidbit here. Uh, she has an amazing blog post on this subject called nine reasons why the term alcoholic needs to die already. And it sums it up way better than I could. So please head there for a, a more in depth version. But really the meat of it for me is that the term alcoholic describes someone with an incurable disease. Alcoholism alcoholism is, by definition, a disease. And I don't agree with that. My addiction was a result of my brain overlearning the importance of a substance. And because I used alcohol so much, I began to recognize it as something that I needed. My prefrontal cortex, where I make decisions, handed over the responsibility of drinking alcohol to my midbrain, where my survival instinct lives. My brain began to think. It literally believed that I needed alcohol to survive. So it behaved accordingly. And that's what addiction is. 
something reprogrammed as a survival thing, just like eating or drinking or sleeping, alcohol gets filed into that category. You can teach your brain anything. You can reprogram it to believe anything. It takes some really hard work, but it's entirely possible. It takes, uh, you know, a whole bunch of years of chugging back poison in order for your brain to realize that it's something that you need. Um, but the same goes for, you know, meditation or eating chocolate or exercise. If you do something enough, it recognizes it as something, a part of your everyday. So I'm neither cured or uncured of this alcohol disease, but I am changed. And, you know, back to that Facebook post, there was a very clear cry for help there. I didn't know what I was doing or how I was going to do it. And I admitted in it, I admitted in the post that I asked for help and help is what I received. Sorry, I mean, I admitted that I didn't know what I was doing, but I still asked for help. And that's exactly what I got. Pulling the trigger and publishing that post was a major catalyst in my recovery. I continued to drink heavily for about two months after I wrote it, but the pieces in my life started to shift majorly. So many people reached out to me that day, friends, acquaintances, coworkers. They messaged me, hugged me. They made me feel heard and loved, and it blew my mind. It was incredible. Like, I didn't really expect that. Like, I kind of expected, like, you know, the oh, like, I'm here if you need me type stuff, like, kind of empty promises. But people, like, really came to me and offered me help. And it's because of those people and me overcoming my fear of being vulnerable in the very beginning in those moments of actually taking them up on their offer that gave me some of the groundwork to to keep moving towards recovery. So, I mean, it was terrifying first after writing that post to go in person to see these people and, you know, I didn't know how they really felt about it. I thought I was going to be judged hardcore. Like, I even had, like, fears that I would lose my job if my bosses found out about this. Um, But they hugged me and they treated me the same and they were so surprised. (laughs) That me, bubbly, young Denise, could have hidden something so dark for so long. Yeah, one of the people who reached out to me was my youth minister from when I was a teenager. I started meeting her for coffee. We met several times uh, in the evening as to try to stave off the witching hour. And if you're unfamiliar with that term, it speaks to that 5 p.m., 6 p.m. time when the cravings kick in big time. And usually after work or when the daytime is winding down, our brain has had it. It's exhausted itself and it goes into overdrive and we drink. On the surface, uh, these meetings probably appeared like they failed. Because every time I met with her, it was a really great dialogue, and then I would go home and drink. Didn't seem to work. Uh, But what was happening was I was speaking my desires out loud. 
Someone was listening and supporting me and showing up for me. She held space for me. And more things started to shift and realign. It's her words that sparked the inspiration for me. Is I was talking about the struggle between what I wanted, which was sobriety, but being unable to break the cycle of addiction. I talked about how frustrating it was and how I couldn't wrap my head around what was happening inside my head. She told me that I couldn't trust my own mind. I couldn't trust my own mind. That concept delivered an understanding I didn't previously have. I'd been filled with so much confusion and self-loathing. She was right. How could I trust a mind that stabbed me in the back every single day? I promised myself that I wouldn't drink again. Every day I woke up and promised myself no more. And then the witching hour struck and I betrayed my promise. I betrayed myself. I couldn't trust myself and that is an extremely disorienting thing. And suddenly I saw two minds, my true self and my ego. My true self or higher self is understanding, compassionate and unconditionally loving. My ego is judgmental, selfish and devious and alcohol feeds the ego and therefore feeds the disparity between my two selves. The void gapes and threatens to annihilate. I was lost. I was lost, but for once, I didn't feel so alone. I felt trapped, but finally, I had enough footing to try to escape. My mind is a maze without any exits, where the only way we think is through. You've never been here, and neither have I. Has anyone? You told me, you can't trust your own mind. It's going to get harder before it gets worse. And you were right. Every turn, we're back at the start, and the start is darker at every turn. When did we get here? How do we get so lost? It's been five labyrinthine years, and all I think now is, are you even here? Am I? Because you told me, all those years ago you told me, you can't trust your own mind. If you're feeling lost and scared and confused, the only way I know is through. There is no easy way. You can trust your own mind. You just need to know which part and the best way to learn which one is the best part. The trusting part, the good part, the one that is rooting for you is to get distance from whatever is confusing you. Quit. Leave. Do whatever you need to do to move you towards freedom. Thanks for listening. See you next time.